just talk to you for a little bit this evening. And um, I think as I go along here, you'll uh, notice that it ties in to a few of the Thursday nights to one of the Sunday nights a couple of weeks ago. Uh, not not the same thing, but I've been kind of along those lines, and I, I have just uh, been feeling this direction for this evening, and um, I'll, I'll hopefully here as we go along, maybe share a little bit more of the context of why, a part of why that is the case. Um, so Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to start reading with verse number 10. Ephesians 6 and verse number 10. Paul says this in a very well-known chapter, because this is the chapter in which we find out about the armor of God, and that's some extremely important principles to us as, as saints and our walk with God. And so verse 10, Paul says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. When you've done everything else, just keep standing. I want to go back to verse number 11, and, and it's in this verse that's kind of the theme of what I want to share with you this evening. Put on the whole armor of God, and it's the rest of this verse, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The Amplified says that verse this way. Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy-armed soldier which God supplies that you may be able successfully to stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. All the strategies and deceits of the devil. And then the Living Bible says, verse 11, this way, Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand safe against all strategies and tricks of Satan. So the Amplified says strategies and deceits. The Living Bible says strategies and tricks. I, I don't really have a title for you at this point uh, for this evening, but I, again, I, I want to focus on this, this idea here of the wiles of the devil or of overcoming or standing against the strategies and tricks of Satan. Father, I thank you for this time that you've provided us again this evening. I, I pray for every home right now that is watching, that is participating in this service this evening, that you would touch them and bless them. God, I, 
I know that we are all facing the challenges of this situation and, and, and the weariness of some things. And so I'm asking you for strength and grace and peace to rest upon your people tonight. Refresh us and new us. And God, I pray actually right now that you would let there be a renewing of our minds, Lord. Your Word says that we are transformed or changed by the renewing of our minds. God, I, I think in just one simple, single moment, You can touch our minds and renew our minds. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, I pray, God, that Your Spirit through Your Word would talk to us this evening. God, as we continue to go through this season that we're in, we, we want Your Spirit and Your Word to continue to work in our hearts and our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, Amen. Praise God. I, I will tell you, uh, and again, as most of you hopefully know by now, to the absolute best of my ability, whatever I teach, preach, talk about, in any setting, any time, any place that I'm ministering, I, I want to follow the leading of the Spirit of the Lord. I want to say and do what God wants. And so I want you to understand that by when I make the point I'm about to make, that, that that's, it's only a part of this. It is not intended in any way to be the sole context of this evening. But, but I've thought there, there uh, I think in some ways, uh, and I, I will say this especially from the context of social media and particularly Facebook, uh, over these last uh, eight weeks or so, I, I know we as a church have live streamed for years now. And I know there's a lot of churches that, that stream their services. But, but in this time that we've been in, uh, in addition to those that have already done it, there's now those that are doing it because obviously you can't come together and so in trying to do something. And then, as I have done, um, several times now throughout weeks as we've gone through this, there's, there are people that are, uh, they're doing daily devotionals. Some of them are, and others are doing periodic messages and sharing things, uh, on, on Facebook and, and other ways as well. But Facebook is kind of the main one where I seem to see it. And, and, and the concern is, if we are not careful, the enemy is looking for any way to get a foothold in our life. Again, in the King James, Paul says, put on the armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I don't think that why, the word wiles is uh, one that we use, we use often in the English language anymore, at least not that I hear. And so in the Greek word for wiles, W-I-L-E-S, the Greek word there is cunning arts, deceit, craft, and trickery. Cunning arts, deceit, craft, and trickery. So Paul says... You need to put on the whole armor of God so that you can withstand the wiles of the devil. Or again, as the Living Bible says, the strategies and 
tricks of Satan. Revelation 12 and 9 says this, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Notice the middle of that verse. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. When it comes to, and, and, and I think I, I, I feel to put it in this context, when it comes to believers, I, I, and I say that because I think when it comes to sinners, the unsaved, I don't think this is quite the same. I think there are other tools. But when it comes to believers, I think the primary, and I'm not just trying to say I think is my opinion, I mean that from my understanding and study of the Word of God and the principles of the Word of God, that the devil's primary tool against us as Christians is deception. Not, not fear, uh, not addiction, or whatever else. It's deception. And especially against a mature or a maturing Christian. A disciple, a saint, whatever term you want to use, that has a, a foundation and a growing foundation of an understanding of the Word of God and the principles of the Word of God and the truth of the Word of God. Deception is the tool. Now, according to Webster's, this is not religious definition here, just the good old dictionary definition. The word deception is the act of causing someone to accept as true or valid what is false or invalid. The act of causing someone to accept as true or valid what is false or valid. Excuse me, what is false or invalid, I'm sorry. The word invalid, according to Webster's, means being without foundation or force in fact, truth, or law. Being without foundation or force in fact, truth, or law. If, if you have uh, 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 another word, obviously, for it would be counterfeit. But if you had a counterfeit, which would then also be an invalid uh, $100 bill, you, you may think you have a $100 bill. And, and if, you are, if you are a victim of the fraud, you, you may not know um, how, how to detect a counterfeit $100 bill enough to know that you have a fake. I, I, I don't want to say I have a fear of this, but... Uh, I, I will say almost every time I go to use, a, especially a $100 bill, which is not that often. I wish that was a daily thing. But when I go to use a $100 bill, uh, there's always, I would just about always, I don't think that's an exaggeration, a thought in the back of my mind, I hope I somehow don't have a counterfeit $100 bill. <laughs> Thankfully, that's never happened. 
But but if you are if you are thinking you have the real, you think you have something that is genuine, and you present it with the expectation that it is real, and somebody detects that it's counterfeit, it has no value. It will you know if if you've got a uh, if you try to go to let, let's say some kind of a uh, an event, I don't know, a concert or something, and 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 if you if you have a a counterfeit or an invalid ticket, it it does you no good. If 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 you uh, if you purchased a uh, I don't know, let's let's say for a Major League Baseball, if you if you purchased an Orioles ticket, if you purchased an Orioles ticket for a home game in in August. Uh, but in May, you go to the stadium, you have a ticket, you've already received it, but you go to show that ticket, if it's not for the date you go, it is invalid. It does you no good. And, and so the enemy's desire, again, to those of you, to those of us that have a, a biblical foundation, a a, a fairly solid understanding of the Word of God and the truths of the Word of God. The enemy knows. I, I, he can't just come to you with, with a, with a flat-out, bold-faced lie. There, there are things that, uh, you know, if, if the enemy tried to use those to trip you up or to trip me up, it would be an absolute waste of time. You, you would know, you would readily detect that this is the devil. And, and so that's not the way he approaches believers. And that's why Paul says you need to put on the whole armor of God so that you're able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse number 12. But what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory they may be found even as we. For such are false apostles. I want you to notice, false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Now look at verse 14. And... And no marvel, no surprise, because Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Now, I don't want to... I don't want to bog you down too much this evening, but but I want to read this a couple of translations. I want you to I want you to get what is say what is being said here. And uh, again, obviously, other translations tend to put some things in language that is a little more familiar to us today. I'm gonna I was gonna read the Amplified Bible. I'm gonna skip that one. I'll just read the New Century Version. Such men are not true apostles. But our workers who, you know, what well, today, if you say anything about a, you know, somebody being false when it comes to another Christian or another preacher or whatever, boy, you get people up in arms. Paul says there are those who are not true apostles, but are workers who lie. 
they changed themselves to look like apostles of Christ. Paul said, there are those that appear to be apostles, but they're not apostles. They're trying to look like something they're not. So I'm not here this evening to be judgmental or critical, but the bottom line is if that was the case in Paul's day, it's the case in our day. And to be honest, I would tend to argue that in our day, we've got it in even more of a challenging way. Or maybe it's not more of a challenging way, but the ability to be exposed to it is easier today because of media. Verse 14. This does not surprise us. Also, we're, we're not surprised that there are those that are not true apostles, but try to pass themselves off as true apostles. He says, this does not surprise us. Even Satan changes himself to look like an angel of light. So it does not surprise us if Satan's servants also make themselves look like servants who work for what is right, but in the end they will be punished for what they do. Paul said we're not surprised by this. We are not surprised that those who are not something try to be something. And the reason we're not surprised is because that's the very thing Satan himself does. He masquerades as an angel of light. Again, what I said is his primary tool against believers. Deception. Deception. He attempts he attempts to come across as being something he is not. And he does that oftentimes in very subtle ways. He doesn't come with billboards to say, uh, big signs to say, I'm here to deceive you. <laughs> Public service announcement, announcement, I have come to deceive you. It is subtle. It is deception. That's the point. That's, that's the primary point of deception. To get you to think something. To get you to believe something that is not true without knowing you're believing something that's not true. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3. So we read where Paul says, you know, I want you to put on the armor of God that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. We, we just read where he says that we, we, have to, uh, we have to be careful because there are those apostles who are not apostles. They try to be apostles. They pass themselves off as genuine and they're not, but we shouldn't be surprised at that because Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. So here's what he says in verse 3. But I fear, I, I'm concerned, I'm concerned for you is what Paul is saying, that lest by any means, any means, any means, any means, any way, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity 
that is in Christ. The Message Bible says that verse this way. And now I'm afraid that exactly as the snake seduced Eve with his smooth patter, you are being lured away from the simple purity of your love for Christ. You are unknowingly, unwittingly being drawn away from truth, from what is right, from what is biblically solid from what is the foundation you should stand on and, and he says I am concerned that the same way the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety it, it is a challenging thing I, I, I've, I've taught, preached, whatever you want to call it on this a number of times. And here I am again this evening. It is a challenging thing to get your spiritual food from someone who may be like Paul was talking about. They may be someone that's trying to pass themselves off as a true man or woman of God. However, they're, they're really just masquerading. I don't remember if I read it. Let me go back to it here real quick. Verse 15 said, 2 Corinthians eleven fifteen. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. The Amplified, that verse, says it this way, It's not surprising if his servants, that's talking about Satan, if his servants also masquerade as ministers of righteousness, but their end will, be, will correspond with their deeds. The context is they're, they're saying or doing what is beneficial to them. The, the, the devil's, you know, there are things, if you got online this evening and came across certain things, there would, I mean, I just, this is a really simple, extreme, I guess, safe example. But, if, you know, if you happen to get online tonight and you come across on Facebook or YouTube, somebody you know, telling about atheism and there's no God. I'm 99.9% .9 sure most of you, it's not going to have any impact on. You, you know God is real. You've had, you, you've had your own personal experiences. You've had your own prayers that God has answered. And so you know, you, do, do, you have every answer to why and all the questions that are asked. Can you explain everything that goes on? Absolutely not. Nobody can, but you know. And so you're not going to walk away from that questioning and doubting. That, that's not where the deception comes. That, that's not the subtlety that Paul was talking about. Let me, let, me, let me make it a little plainer to you. Here's some of the subtlety. You, you, you read something or you hear 
you maybe it's a whole message or it's a it's a it's an excerpt from a message of of, of some preacher that you don't really know what he believes you don't really know what his doctrine is and he says something it may be a very revelatory powerful statement here's part of the subtlety when you do start to learn well maybe this guy doesn't think the plan of salvation is is being born again maybe this guy doesn't think there's only one god maybe he thinks there's a trinity and and maybe this guy doesn't think we have to live a life of separation from the world and, and, and our actions, attitude, life, our conduct, our, our, our dress, our, our whatever. Subtle. That, that's, that's, that's some of the subtlety. That's, that's some of the subtlety. That's some of the deception in which the way the enemy is trying to, as I said at the very beginning, there are so many voices. And I, I got to be honest with you, and I'm, I'm here again, at least in my mind, my focus tonight is those of you that are a part of Antioch Central and, and, and essentially a part of the core of Antioch Central. I, I, the last several months, as I've, again, mainly through Facebook, as I've scrolled through periodically through Facebook, I, 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 there's people that are, you know, bringing up issues. I'm talking about from a Christian standpoint, preachers, pastors, uh, and and some of them are of the same faith as we are. But but bringing up issues about this or that, we need to change this, do this, not do that. And as I taught a couple of weeks ago about unintended consequences, that that that's the enemy's tactic. Again, he, he's not going to show up. He's not going to come knock on your door this evening advertising what he's really come to do. It is subtlety. It is, as Paul says, he beguiled. In fact, you can read that in Genesis. He beguiled Eve. And he did it in a subtle way. His smooth patter, his slick words easing his way in. I'm going to tell you another way. Some of you need to hear me right now. I'll tell you another way in which the subtlety works its way in is where, if we're not careful, and that is through music. That's through music. And I'm not talking tonight about worldly music. In fact, I'm talking primarily about Christian music. There's a lot of great songs, in fact, and, and there's, there's differing opinions. Some of you may have a different opinion on this. And, and uh, I, I, I'm continuing to work through this in my own spirit, let the Lord talk to me, lead me. And, and, uh, but, you know, there, there's a lot of songs that we sing that come from groups that do not, or churches that do not, believe what we believe when it comes to the plan of salvation. They do not believe, well, again, what we believe when it comes to a life of separation and other things. Notice again, I said there's some of those songs, we, there's some great songs. And I will just insert quickly, and this is not intended to be a dissertation on this, but in this context, I will just say, if you want to understand where I'm coming from at this point with that, there. There, there was, uh, there, God used a donkey to deliver a message at one point in Scripture. 
It was a valid message from God. It wasn't valid. There, we, we don't have donkeys in the ministry today. There's no donkey that's anybody's pastor. So just because God chose to speak through a donkey did not make the donkey anything special. So I'm not here tonight trying to call anybody a donkey. Definitely not the other word for a donkey. I will definitely not do that. <laughs> but I, but, but I, that's the principle. Again, I'm, I'm not here to stir up debate or get into debate. I'm just giving you context. But I, I'm going to say again, and especially as prevalent as video is today. 15, 20 years ago, I personally don't think this was quite the challenge because most of the time it was only on the radio or a CD that we were listening. Rarely were we watching. But now basically every song, you can see the artist singing it. And a lot of, again, a lot of the songs we sing today are songs that churches, they're written by church worship teams or worship ministers or whatever you want to call them. And if you go and watch, you're going to see something very different. And I've come, I've come to challenge you and plead with you this evening. That's why, as I said, this, as I, I mentioned in the beginning, the context of this season we're in. But, but this is not tonight about simply this season. Because I think, and I will read it to you here in the end, Lord willing. This is not something that's going away. This is not something that's going to decrease. In fact, I think there's principles and scriptures that show us this challenge is only going to increase the closer we get to the coming of the Lord. In fact, I read one verse to you from Revelation about Satan as the deceiver, but, but that's a lot of the context of, uh, or a good portion of the context in Revelation about Satan. It's the deception. In the last days, the end times, the deception that he is going to do throughout the world. So it's not going away. It's not diminishing. But again, it's, it is, it's deception. <laughs> it, is, it is not telling you the truth. It's causing you to think something is true that's not true. It's, it's causing you to get something that you think is valid, but really it's invalid. What did, what did Jesus say? Many are going to say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out devils in your name. We did many wonderful works in your name. And, and he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. In essence, what he's going to say is, you have an invalid claim on salvation. You were... You were Sold a deception. You were sold a lie. Let's, let's go to for a few minutes here. I don't intend to go a whole lot longer this evening. But let's, let's go to that story that Paul is referencing when he says, I, I'm concerned, I fear, unless you are deceived, you're beguiled like Eve through Satan's subtlety. Genesis 3, we're going to read the second part first. Genesis 3 and verse number 1. Let 
Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Pretty much all my life, and I will tell you many times in my own ministry, one of the times it comes up is when you're talking about how we defeat Satan, how we overcome Satan. And we use the example of Jesus in the wilderness and the temptation. And each time Jesus, God manifested in the flesh, Jesus said, It is written. It is written. And he quoted scripture. And, and so a lot of times this passage gets used in that context to, to show that Eve erred in what she said. And the thing that I've always heard pointed out, and I myself have pointed out, and, and in fact it obviously is true, but the primary point of how she did not properly say what God said is the part that she says, you shall not touch it. God said, don't eat it and don't touch it. Something. No, God didn't say, don't touch it. So that was not accurate. But there's more to that that is not accurate. And it starts with what Satan says. Again, verse 1, Satan said, God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. What did God say? Genesis 2 and 16. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest of it you will surely die. So, so watch that. And, and, and again, Eve did not correct Satan. And she misquotes God. We can get into maybe, maybe that's Adam's fault. That's another subject for another night. Because Adam's the one God gave the instruction to. But again, look, look, at, what, look at what Satan says. This, this, is, this is to me a very prime example. And it was from the beginning of time. The very beginning of time, the enemy shows his hand at what his prime, it's not what God said. God said, you can eat of every tree. Satan says, God said, you can't eat of every tree. God said, you can eat of every tree except the tree of knowledge. Notice the difference. God's focus is on all that was available. I don't know how many trees there were. I don't know how many kinds of fruit there were in the garden. But th there was one tree. Everything else God said, have at it. <laughs> you can enjoy all of this. All of it's freely yours. But of the tree of the knowledge, you can't eat of that one. Satan comes along and notice he twists it. And notice his focus. And is it not a part of the challenge that we have today? 
Of course, Satan doesn't want us to focus on all that we do have. Of course, Satan doesn't want us to focus on all that God is freely given. He wants us to get our attention on the one thing in this context. The one thing. There was only one tree that God forbade them to eat from in the garden. And yet the enemy subtly, he beguiles Eve by deception, by, by trickery, by strategies. And he twists it around. And rather than her focusing on everything that was there, she gets locked in on the one thing that she can't have. Subtlety, trickery, deception. And again, from the very beginning, of, is that not the first tool the devil used to cause man to fall? Deception. He, he didn't show up as the serpents and say, Hey Eve, I am here to trick you into giving up what God has. I am here to trick you so that you will lose what belongs. He didn't do that, of course not. That's not deception, that's honesty. He doesn't come to us and say, hey, I'm here to steal your relationship with God. I'm here to destroy your family. I'm here to destroy your ministry. I'm, I'm here to steal yourself. Of course not. Of course not. But what did Jesus say? The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you have, may have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Listen to what Peter says, 2 Peter 1.20. I want you to hear the last two verses of chapter 1 so you have the context of chapter 2. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. That means we don't take one verse and use it to say what we want it to say. It has to have context. It has to have a witness Verse 21, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So, chapter 2, verse 1, but there were, if we were all together right now, I'd somebody say, I'd, I'd say, everybody say there were, so you can do that where you are. There were false prophets. Listen, this is, this is Peter talking. 2,000 years ago, Peter is referencing that there were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many, and many, and many, and many, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Because of their actions, their conduct, truth is going to be spoken of evil. And through covetousness, they shall with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not. I, I said I wasn't going much longer. I forgot some of what I had in here, so bear with me. 
Again, for the sake of time, I'm going to skip the message of the Amplified. I'm going to read just the message. But there were also lying prophets among the people then, just as there will be lying religious teachers among you. They'll smuggle in, they'll smuggle in destructive divisions, pitting you against each other, biting the hand of the one, and that word one there is capital O because it's referring to God, biting the hand of the one who gave them a chance to have their lives back. They put themselves on a fast downhill slide to destruction, but not before they recruit a crowd of mixed up followers who can't tell right from wrong. They give the way of truth a bad name. I'm not here to, to the best of my ability, I'm not here to be critical or judgmental or put myself in a place of judging but I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm going to share an example and you'll just have to label me whatever you want to label me. It, to me, it's a prime example. He says that they bite the hand of the one who gave them a chance. They, they smuggle in destructive divisions. There, I, I came across it a couple of weeks ago and I looked at it again today just to try to remember. And, 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 uh, that, the, the uh, pastor of Hillsong Church in Times Square, and many of you have heard the, you know Hillsong, and Hillsong started in Australia, and they've got churches all over the place, all over the world now. The pastor of Hillsong Church, in an, in an interview, what I believe is a fairly recent interview with Oprah Winfrey, when asked the question by Oprah, do you believe that the only way to, to God is, I, 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 I apologize, I didn't type up the direct quote, so I understand this is, this is the gist and as accurately as I can relate it. But do, do you think the only way to God is, is for Christians, or to be a Christian is the only way to God? And, and I have to be honest, I watched it several times, his last name is Lentz. He responded and he quoted the verse I just quoted a few moments ago that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I got I to gotta tell you, I've watched it two or three times and I don't even understand what he was trying to explain. He said something along the lines of that when Jesus said that, all he was saying was he was some kind of like marker on the way to God or something. And in essence, what he was saying was, no, Jesus is not the only way. Why? Because that's not popular. Why? Because that's not what people want to hear. In fact, my opinion, I will say opinion, but I think if you watch it, I'm pretty sure you'd come to the same conclusion. I, I think Oprah was pretty happy with his answer. Because you can find some other interviews of Oprah where she's, Apparently not about there being a way. In fact, one of the other, one of her shows, and somebody yells that verse out in the audience, and she pretty quickly cuts them off. Here we are now. I mean, I, I don't know what size that church is. I think it's a sizable church in Times Square. They've 
put themselves on a fast downhill slide to destruction, but not before they recruit a crowd of mixed-up followers who can't tell right from wrong. Is that not such a huge part of mainstream Christianity? There's no right and wrong. It really doesn't matter. We didn't get that way with billboards of the devil saying, I've come to tell you a lie. We got there by wiles, by deception, by strategies and tools of the enemy. Last passage, 2 Timothy 3. I'm going to read several verses here just for context. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded. And, and this last one is really one of the biggest issues. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. I, I want God. I, I want to be saved. Or at least I want to think I'm saved. But I've got a lot, lot of other major priorities in my life. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. A form of godliness. I think a very, very broad application of that is they go to church on Sunday. They, they do a religious activity. But denying the power, what does that mean? Denying the power thereof. That means the power of God, the Spirit of God, when it gets inside of us, it works to affect every single area of our lives and bring about transformation but they deny the power of it to transform them. For of this sort, verse 6, are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janies and Jambres withstood Moses, those were two of Pharaoh's magicians, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. Meaning Janies and Jambres. As the point came where it was demonstrated that Moses wasn't just some magician but he was sent from God as a man of God. Those verses describe a time that we are living in, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. A form of godliness. A form of godliness. Worship the same. Do some of the same things as a part of our worship and, 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 and go to church and, and, and certain things that we all relate to, but deny the power from such turn away. I, I don't think, in all honesty, I don't, I don't like this, 
but I think it's pretty easy to demonstrate that God from the beginning of time pretty much has allowed that there would be counterfeit that there would be imitation and fakes as a way of testing to see Paul said God not the devil, but God would send a strong delusion to those that did not have a love for the truth. You know, some nowadays, actually probably for a good number of years now, one of the things you hear, well, I just, I, I'm just not all that worried about doctrine. I don't think doctrine is all. You know, I'm I'm just about relationship with Jesus. I'm just about loving Jesus. I, I'm not about doctrine. I don't know what Bible you're reading. <laughs> I don't know what Bible you're reading. You're not reading the, the Bible I read. Because when you read the Bible I read, you will find from all the way from the beginning that God, whether it was in communicating things that are you would consider to be doctrine or if it was by the principles that were demonstrated, God demonstrates from Genesis to Revelation. There are some foundational, structural fundamental things that matter to God. Well, we just love it. That's what that's what uh, Pastor Lentz. Well, God, I just think God loves people so much. He's not... I do believe God loves people. I do believe God is constantly trying to reach people. Uh, I believe that every sinner, it's God's desire to reach them. But I also know what Scripture says. Jesus did not say, I am one of the ways to get to God. Which, side note, that's another one of the challenges of the idea of believing that the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are three separate co-equal persons because if you believe that they're one, you can't separate Jesus from God. In essence, what I was hearing from Pastor Lentz was he was separating Jesus from God. Well, Jesus is this marker on the way to God. That, that doesn't even make sense. Sorry. But I'm not sorry. It, it's a, folks, I'm, I hope you're listening. I know and I've heard and I'm not trying to be unkind. I, I, I'm... I've heard feedback. This is getting to be more and more of a challenge for all of you, and I respect that. But I, I hope you're not missing, because I'm not here just to take up time. I'm not here just out of obligation. I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you this evening. I feel the burden. I was going to say the same burden, but I don't, I'm not going to put myself in Paul's category to think that my burden is the same degree as Paul's. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But I, I feel a similar burden that you would not be beguiled as Eve was by the sun. My wife has said this a couple times lately, and I've said this. I've preached messages about this before. You, you hear people She's been following an artist who's been doing daily songs. And how can, can this person maybe really not be saved? Maybe really they're not going to heaven? I've said this, and I'm going to say it again. Maybe someone mislabeled me for this. Oh, well. 
if I get to heaven and I find out that all you had to do was accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and everybody for all the time that that's the plan of salvation they obey, if they're in heaven, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not walking away from the pearly gate saying, ha, forget that. In fact, I hope my sound bite doesn't get used out of context. It would not bother me the least bit to get to heaven and find out all you had to do was accept the Lord as your personal Savior. But I, I got a problem. I don't see that in the Bible. And I can't tailor what I see in the Bible because of all of those that I'm concerned about. They're in God's hands. Well, aren't you being judgmental? I, I don't know. You want me to sell you an imitation? You want me to sell you an imitation salvation to only find out when it's too late that it's invalid? I believe that at least the majority of you that I pastor, I don't think that's the way you feel. And I want to I challenge you as I quit tonight. There is not one of us Please notice the pronoun. Not one of us who is exempt from being deceived through the subtlety of Satan. Not one of us. Not one of us can sit back with a smug attitude that says, I would never be deceived. I would never be led astray. Not one of us. I didn't say not one of you. I said not one of us. That's why we are to buy the truth and sell it not. And that's why we are to love the truth so that we are not in a vulnerable place of God sending us a strong delusion. Father, I pray this evening, every person that's watching, listening, I pray, God, especially for those that I am the have been given the responsibility of pastoring at this point in time. I pray, God, that if there are any individuals right now that are being deceived by the wiles of the devil, by the subtlety of the devil, if he's, if he's already working and has gotten a foothold without their knowing, I pray, God, that you would open their eyes tonight. I pray, God, that you would remove the blindness and take away that deception and let them see it clearly for what it is. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, help us, Father. Lord, as, as we are exposed, and it seems more and more, to many voices, to many different ways, we are challenged 
to hold on, to stand upon your word, not based on what is popular, not based on what is appealing to the multitudes, but based on what is truth. I pray, Father, that you would put within each one of us a love, that you would renew in each one of us a love for truth. I pray for every teenager, every child that's watching tonight, God, that the children especially that may not have an understanding of some of the things that maybe they have heard said this evening. I, I pray, God, that even now you would begin to put within their hearts a love for truth, a love, God, that will give them the strength and stability they need to overcome whatever deception the enemy has planned and plotted for their lives. I trust you for that tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for spending some time with me this evening.